Welcome to the Extraordinary Me podcast, where ordinary people choose the extraordinary. Hosted by Coach Adam. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Extraordinary Me program podcast. I am your host, Coach Adam, and today we have with us the absolutely amazing Evan Whitehead. And I want you to I want you to learn his backstory because it's truly extraordinary. He's very inspiring. So, Evan, would you introduce yourself, who you are today, and give us a little background? Sure. Thanks for having me on, Adam. Um, yes, my name is Evan Whitehead. I'm director of special services in a local school district here in the Chicagoland area. I've been in education for, wow, it's almost uh, about 25 years now, um, and I've had various roles. Um, I started out in education um, as a crisis interventionist, uh, working at a therapeutic day school for uh, students that um had uh, were special education students, but their primary disability was emotional disability and behavior disorder. Um, and I moved on from that to uh, being a teacher's assistant in um, alternative schools and also some of the public schools and self-contained high school special education programs. And then um, I was inspired and encouraged to go back to school to complete my bachelor's degree in education. And education was a, it was the first thing that came natural to me besides athletics, where it was almost like second nature. I had never worked in a school, had never taught. But when I, when I got my first job working in a therapeutic day school, the rapport I was able to, to um, create with the students, the connections that I had was, was um, very natural. And, and, it, and I didn't have to try too hard to do that. And no, um, I, I loved I, it. I want to stop you there for a second. Why do you think it was so natural? Well, you know what? I think there are a couple of reasons. I think the first, the first reason is that um, I w- had been fortunate enough and blessed enough that um, when I was in high school, the high school that I attended, um, along with one of my best friends who who you played college basketball with, um, our, our high school was designated as a school in the district where we had a lot of students with special needs, ranging from physical disabilities to social emotional to um, to to other disabilities. So but they were integrated into our school. So it wasn't as if, you know, they were sectioned off in a different part of the school or in the basement. They integrated in life with us. So cafeteria, PE, they were they were managers on our sports teams. And um, and we, you know, we treated them um, as we as we should. And I think that was that was probably the one thing that stuck with me the most. Um, and because we did that through other organizations such as Best Buddies, which is a special education program in which um, gen ed students and special ed students connect, um, doing those type of things, I, I had had experience doing it. So it, seemed, so it came natural. The second part was because um, a lot of the students that I was working with in particular in special education, um, even though myself, I did not have a disability, but I, as I talked a little about before and I'll talk some more is that I did have um, some, some challenging experience in life um, as I was younger um, from trauma to having some, some anger issues um, that, that didn't lead to anything more serious in terms of consequences. But um, I, like I connected with the students because I understood what they were going through. Um, and if I didn't, and if I didn't personally uh, um, experience it, I had very close family members or friends that experienced a lot of things they went through. So it was easy, easy for me to connect with them. And the other part was, um, you know, throughout my time of playing sports, um, I always coached, um, whether it was at the park district or, or working through, you know, just 
just younger students that were like in high school would come up and we would run camps. Um, so working with students came natural and um, it was great for me. So I think that those are probably the things that allowed me to to make the seamless transition without any formal training. or. Background. And, you know, I've, uh, again, not to interrupt you, but I, that that sounds to me, you know, there's an old saying, um, the wounded duck is the best healer. And it sounds like because of direct experiences you've had in your life, you are able to relate to a lot of the challenge youth and a lot of the kids that you work with today. And, you know, I'm just curious to know, can you tell me maybe just a lot, some critical points and things that you went through um, in your background, in your history? Well, you know, um, when I, I said my, my, one of my early experiences um, with, with understanding how, how society works, unfortunately, and how adults play a huge role in the influence of, of young people is that, um, it's about seven years old. And, um, my best friend, um, who, who was white, um, we, we, we did everything together. We hung out, um, we were, we played in the same baseball teams. He'd come over to my house, I'd go over his, his house. Our, our mothers worked together. Um, but his parents were divorced. So on the weekends, um, he'd go, you know, with his dad and then come back after the week. And, you know, it was pretty typical, um, during that time. And it was, you know, um, and things were going pretty well. And, and he, you know, his dad would come to our baseball games and my dad was the coach. And so we, we had a pretty, a pretty tight relationship. Well, um, after one weekend, um, spending time with his dad, he came back and he said, uh, I can't, I can't, I can't hang out with you anymore. Uh, we can't be friends. And I said, why, what do you mean? And his response was, um, I can't be friends with you because your dad is wow. black. So, so that in, in, you know, when you're seven or eight years old, it's hard to um, kind of process that because I didn't understand because my thought is, well, well, if my dad is black, I'm black too. And then, so when I told my father that, that was the way that he began to kind of explain things to me at a very um, early age, how, how unfortunate it is that the adults have influence positive or negative on children and how it can impact, right? When you're seven or eight, you're innocent, right? You don't, you, all you know is who your friends are. You like them, you hang out, you go to birthday parties, you have, you know, et cetera. Um, you don't have some of the um, implicit bias or the ills of, of, of the adult world that have influenced you. And so you don't think that way, but to have that conversation early on at, you know, at that age, um, it really had an impact on me in terms of um, probably, some maturity in terms of what, you know, how, how, how unfortunate and and kind of cruel the world can be um, and kind of opened my eyes a little bit. And so that was, that was an early experience on, I think um, it taught me a lot. And then, you know, I, I played a lot of sports, you know, um, growing up uh, football, um, soccer, um, you know, I play a lot of football, like, like, uh, not official and it wasn't, uh, you know, it wasn't any organized, but, you know, backyard, that type of thing, tackle, two-hand touch, um, play a lot of basketball. Um, I actually started playing soccer. That was the first sport that I played in baseball. And, um, you know, sports were great for me because, one, it allowed me a chance to 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 burn off a lot of energy because um, my parents said, you know, I always had a lot of energy, so that was great. Um, two, it helped me to to build a lot of relationships with um with kids from a lot of different backgrounds, I probably normally wouldn't, um, you know, uh, mm-hmm. have relationships with. And then um, the last thing, I think it was positive because I would say um, for multiple reasons, some some challenges and some trauma, some things that I that I experienced and saw, you know, in my childhood as well. Um, 
I was angry at times, you know, and but, but athletics allowed me to channel a lot of that. Um, so it, it really helped me with that. Um, as I as I got older, um, like so around junior high, I, I was able to play basketball at school, ran track, and I was also able to wrestle. So now wrestling, right, physical right. contact, physical activity um, allowed me to, to channel that as well. And it was great. Um, you know, I would still have some bouts every now and then with some with some anger issues, like kind of uh, microaggressions, et cetera. But, um, you know, nothing to the point where, you know, I ever got suspended or um, anything of that nature for fighting. But just some of my reactions, um, you know, raising a voice, kind of the, the anger or yelling at times would happen. And then I got in high school. It was interesting because um, I had never played organized football, as I said. And, um, you know, I decided to play and um, never playing. You know, it was kind of like I was I was green and I was open. So I didn't have any bad habits. And so my freshman year, uh, the the varsity coach decided to have me play quarterback because um, what I what I what I now know. But, I you know, when I found out later was that, you know, one, I was a good athlete. You know, I played baseball, I pitched, you know, and, and so I had a good arm. But it was his way of of one teaching me the game of football, because now as quarterback, you have to learn every position offense and defense, and you have to understand offensive schemes and defensive schemes. So being being very green and a novice of the sport in terms of the technical aspects, it allowed me to learn the game. Also, what I what I learned is that the contact was something that was good for me. It was a full contact sport. So now any anger issues, any aggression, I can take it oh, out, okay. you know, in the sport, you know, where it's where it's encouraged, right? You know, and and just, you know, kind of a quick point before I go too far off on the subject, but like what a lot of people may not understand is that, you know, a lot of the skill sets that make someone successful in a contact sport, such as mixed martial arts, um, wrestling, hockey, football, rugby, um, you know, those same skills that are successful for that sport, if 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 the person or the athlete is not is not participating in that sport, those same attributes actually right. become negative, right? If they're if they don't have the ability to channel that, so so the things that are encouraged for those contact sports, such as being aggressive, being overly aggressive, right? Um, like pushing through, oftentimes pain versus injury, um, channeling more anger to be more successful because the more, the angrier you are, the more, the more energy you have, right? So you think about that, great, it's fine. But on the other side, you know, if you're not playing that sport, what do you then do with all those, all that energy, with all that skill? So I say that because I'll talk a little bit about late, about it later, but also just the fact if you, if, you know, if you're able to look and see historically, um, some of the some of the not so great sides of of athletes after they stop playing or can no longer play, they often find themselves in situations where they're involved with the, uh -huh. with the criminal justice system, um, or or they're involved in things because they're trying to find a way to now channel that energy that they no longer had to channel in a positive way. So for me, so for me, football was great, and um, as I said, my varsity coach was was a genius because. Um, he had a bigger plan for me that I did not know. And that was that, you know, my sophomore year, 
he actually moved me up to varsity to start where I was playing linebacker because even though I never, I didn't play, I didn't play quarterback anymore. He wanted me to understand the game of football because he had a plan for me as an athlete to see what I could do. And then um, I was set for that. Now um, in high school, I played football, baseball, and basketball. Um, And baseball had always been my first love. I played it since I was about seven years old. Um, Football happened to be the sport though, that I was good enough to get recognition um, so as I said, as a sophomore, I started on varsity. So I lettered as a, as a, as a, um, sophomore and then my junior year, obviously lettered again, um, senior year. So three, so, so three letters in, um, varsity football, I lettered in baseball as well. Um, and I would say that, you know, for football where I got my, my most accolades from, um, I, by the time I graduated high school, um, I had been selected all conference twice. Um, I was selected all area. I was defensive player of the year. Um, I led I led my area um, in tackles as a junior, as a senior, and as a senior. So I had had 110 tackles my junior year, 120 tackles my senior year. Um, I I I gained a lot of interest early on in terms of recruiting after my sophomore year because for a lot of your listeners out there that may be interested and know is that you know uh, the one of the one of the indicators of success as an athlete at the next level is that um, they have a history of playing with older people and older athletes and fitting in. Right. So, so it's kind of an indicator. So if you're, if, if you've always played up as we kind of talk about it now in sports, whether whatever sport it is um, and you, and you are able to, to maintain, to fit in where you don't stick out, like you don't belong it's an early indicator that you can probably play at the next level. So every level that happens, you're able to do that. So for me and a lot of my other friends um, who played, um, you know, their sport either on the varsity as a freshman or sophomore, um, we had some opportunities early on that others wouldn't have. And for me, that was the first time um, it was told to me that I may be able to play, um, you know, football in college. Um, I had always knew I wanted to go to college, but never thought that I had the ability to play a sport until then. Then my junior year, I would say, Adam, was when um, things really heated up. Uh, we had a really great team. Um, we had we ended up going pretty far to playoffs, got some good recognition. And um, after my junior year, you know, it was that's when I, I realized it was pretty realistic. And my coach told me um, and I started and I got my first um, you know batch of letters. Um, so this is a this is an era of, of before before social media. And, uh, you know, coaches actually had to send out yeah, a lot of hard copy letters early on just to yep. say this. Right. So you remember those days. Um, so, so, and, and, and I would, and I would say, you know, I never, I never say like, you know, one era is better than other, but times were just different. So I, I would say that, you know, um, as you, as you know, being, being an athlete during that time, um, it was very competitive where you were, you know, in order to get looks, you really, and, you know, from colleges, you really had to be very, 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 very good and around other good players. Right. Because the odds are, that the way recruiting worked in was either you're going to be recruited because you've already made, made a name for yourself and you are so good that you, that, that you're getting noticed or you're playing on a very good team with other good players. Um, and I will say very humbly, I was, I was probably the, the lowest recruit recruit really? out of the seven, out of the seven division one we had. That, so that's how, good our football team was and um to this day a lot of those guys that i that, that i played high school with 
um, that I'm still good friends with. We're like brothers. We're connected. Went on to have very good good careers um, in college at the at the, at the collegiate level. Um, ended up playing some some pro ball, some in the arena league for a little while, and also ended up um, and are still um, coaching at the Division One level um, for football. So, you know, very still connect with that, but a very, very special group of guys. But I would say the reason why I got recruited was because I had teammates around me that were good. So even though they would come to look at uh, a teammate of mine, that was, that was a, you know, probably what we would call now a five-star recruit or a blue chip guy. They knew they may not be able to get him, but then they saw me game films, et cetera. And I, and I was able to kind of make my mark. So um, that, that for me in terms of was my kind of track to recruiting. But the interesting thing is when, when I started getting interested in my junior year, I, I had never, I, I would never consider, mm-hmm. consider myself studious. I was smart. I always did well on tests, um, standardized tests, very high marks. I'd always been in gifted and talent in courses, you know, uh, what we now would call AP or honors in high school always did that, but I, I just didn't apply myself. So my grade point average w- wasn't the best. And my, and my high school coach, when he gave me my first batch of letters, he said, I have these for you, but I'm not giving you any more because wow. if you don't get your grades up, you're never going to be able to play in college. So, you know, I'm looking, I'm, you know, I'm, and I'm seeing the letters and he said, if you want to play, you're going to have to get your grades up. So for the next three semesters, I had a minimum of 3.0. Um, one semester I even had a 4.0 just to get my grades to a point that that's how low my grades were. They were marginal where I get to a point where I could begin to actually um, be considered to be recruited for a scholarship. Because for a lot of your listeners that that may or may not know is that when you're talking division one level, right there, like, there are players that are often just as good as you, but it's going to be the determination. What does the school want to invest or do they want to invest in you? And it's a, it's, it's a risk. So therefore, they'd rather take a risk on a player who may be just as good as you. But if their grades are better, that means the likelihood they're going to retain, uh, they're going to be able to retain them in school for four or five years. And also it's going to help, help the team GPA, et cetera, versus taking a risk on, a, on, a, on an athlete who marginals, marginal grades maybe did maybe just, just passed their interest exam. Um, even if you have some issues, you know, in terms of discipline, um, those type of things, they all come out. So um, you want to be able to have the best possible package in terms of presentation. So I worked my butt off at him. I did. I, you know, with the help of my coaches and started listening and, you know, going in and, and, and doing extra study time and applying myself. Um, and then senior year came along and that's when everything really heated up and, um, Things became real. I, I, I actually realized that this is going to happen. I started getting the phone calls, um, you know, more letters. And then after the season was over, that's when the recruiting picked up. And, um, you know, you have that you have the college coaches. They come to your house. Um, I remember even a, even a few times where um, I would there would be coaches that were finishing a visit in my home and then other ones were pulling up. Um, that's how, that's what it was. And, and I was getting phone calls where like, you know, this is, this is before cell phones. So we all had landlines and, and I would be on a phone call with the, with a recruiter and literally hang up the phone. And then, and then I'd get a call instantly from, from another one. That's how, that's how heavy it was for me recruiting. And I'm, and like I said, I'm not saying I was a, I was a blue chip guy. So 
by no means was I get was I being was I being recruited by by what we now call power five schools consistently a few sprinkled here and there. But still, at, at that time, at the division one level, a lot of the schools that were recruiting me were often, um, you know, schools in the Midwest, but also a lot of schools on the West Coast because um, my particular style and my athleticism for my position I played fit their fit their style of football. Um, so so so. It was a real honor to have schools coming from, you know, the western part of the country to come to the Chicagoland area to come not only to my games, but to come to my house and to sit in my front front room, my living room with my parents and recruit me. That's a that's a big, pretty big statement. Um, you know, and this is head coaches. These weren't just just um, just uh, just assistants. So, um, you know, I had I, I had a chance to do that and, and it was it was great. But, you know, I would tell you this, Adam. The one thing that probably was not the most positive, and I'm just going to say this to be real for, for all your listeners out there that, um, that have any type of aspirations and or what they think college, college athletics may be at the Division I level. I know everyone's played Division I, et cetera. But I will tell you, um, the recruiting process and even the official visits was something that I was not prepared for, nor was my family prepared for. And I say that because the amount of of resources and influence that a major Division I university has to recruit a a family, okay? They just don't recruit the, 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 the player, they recruit the family where they... Where it's, where they wine and dine literally. I mean, you're staying in the best hotels in this in that in that in that city where wherever you're going. The 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 experiences, the trips. You know, one of my trips that you know where I eventually ended up going to play football in Wyoming. We 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 stayed in a resort and we were snowmobiling in the Rocky Mountains. Okay, and and that was something I'd never. You know, I'm from I'm from Chicagoland area. I right. never I've never seen mountains in my life, let alone going snowmobiling. Right. In, in mountains. It was it was unbelievable. And then and then you go on campus and you, you know, and wherever you're taking your trip and you and they and they put your name on the on the on the on the scoreboard, you know, and it's the middle of winter. So they're still whatever you want. Yeah, we'll take you there doing this. And, and you're treated a lot differently. But but you're still a teenager, you know, and I will tell you that if you're not experienced or well versed in that process, which which I wasn't and my family wasn't because no one had ever been recruited to play, you know, college, let alone division one, you know, it's their, you know, their salesmen. And, you know, the reality is, is that even though you may be 18 or, or 17 going to be 18, right? You're Correct. still not an adult and that that's not your profession. This is what they do for a living. It's their job on the line. And 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 you will get every possible opportunity, good and bad, okay to to want to go to that particular school. And I and I and I had some experiences where, you know, things that I never would have experienced as a as a high school kid, I didn't even imagine were happening in college, right? And you're seeing everything from parties to just the atmosphere to being treated a certain way. You know, and and it's a and and what you don't know is Correct. that a lot of it is smoke and mirrors, right? A lot of it is 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 a marketing scheme. But you but but you don't know that. And, and, you know, what I, what I would say is that the things that I saw when I came back, I tried to emulate, right? It just kind of the attitude and my attitude changed, Adam, it did. It, it, it went from a person who, you know, I think I had good self-esteem and I didn't, didn't, didn't think of myself as arrogant or anything of that, but 
once I started going on 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 my trips, okay. my personality did change. I became a different person. My you know my ego was filled right because now I'm thinking you know what I'm I'm going to all these different places. I'm getting treated like you know like like I'm like I'm big time. And I came back with that. So I would say um, my attitude and some of my behaviors when I came back um, were not the best. Um, I made I made a couple poor decisions. Um, you know, at school. And this is, and I, and I was someone that, that hardly even missed like school at all, like perfect attendance. You know, I started, you know, Hey, maybe I don't need to go to class. Right. I won't go. Um, or maybe, you know, I, I started slacking a little bit and, and kind of getting a little bit of a senioritis, but also feeling, you know what, Hey, I'm done. Right. Um, I'm done with everything. I don't have to continue. And that, and that was probably one of the first times that I'd say, um, I, I I kind of started veering away from from what I had been taught in terms of my self discipline, and, and it's easy to do. Uh, I mean, it's doing what once I need you to get do. to that level. I mean, I remember when I was recruited too. You know, it's easy to lose yourself at a quick pace. Very easy, very easy, and and you know, so I would say after after my um you know after the school year was over and senior year came, um and it was time to go to college, Adam, um. I had I really had no idea what I was getting into. It was the it was for me the first time that I was going to be away from home. So I'm 18 years old. And not only am I am I am I going away to college as a freshman, like most like most freshmen, I'm going away thousands of miles away to play football at the University of Wyoming, you know, in the Western Athletic Conference, which was which is now the the Mountain West. And, you know, you know, not not only am I there for school, but you know our conference. All the schools are in Texas, California, Utah. So, you know, um, so I just was just very naive and ignorant just about a lot of things. And I will say that you know there were there are a few things that that were challenged to me and kind of and kind of where where I first kind of turned the corner and going the wrong direction. First and foremost was that. I underestimated the level of of athleticism at Division One. Okay, and I say that so all so all your listeners out there, and kind of understand what I mean is that you know when you're when you're in high school. Okay, I don't I don't. It doesn't matter how good you think you are, right? You don't know every person that is your counterpart throughout the country at your level, right? You have no idea. You know, especially then, because we didn't, as I said, we didn't have the social media. So, so you would read about someone, but you wouldn't, you wouldn't see them. And, you know, and, and as I said, I was, I was a little arrogant, a little full of myself, you know, um, you know, so, so my, probably my biggest moment where I thought for sure, like no one could tell me anything was that um, Lee Corso, who's the, uh, who's now the college football announcer. He had a magazine that came out as Lee Corso's college football America. And, and as you, and that year for incoming freshmen, you open it up university of Wyoming, okay. there's my name. And they're writing about me saying that I was supposed to start as a true freshman. So out of all of these freshmen at, you know, in the country, you know, from all these schools, I was one of I was one of a handful that was predicted to start as a true freshman um, as Division One football, which is rare, which is very very rare. So for everyone out there, it's, it's rare, and that and I I thought that, but I, I went and I underestimated the level of talent, and I started believing myself a little too much, and 
what I what I did not realize was that what made me so good as a football player and as an athlete was not that I had like unbelievable athleticism. It was my work ethic and my attention to detail that that put me in a position to outwork other people. And and when I got to school out to out to Wyoming, I realized, wow, there's some really good athletes here. And I got intimidated and I started um, to lose some confidence and self-esteem that I had had. And um, it, it, it started to it started to take a toll on me um, because all of a sudden I wasn't making the plays I used to play, be able to make. I wasn't able to keep up. And I wasn't the first guy all of a sudden anymore. I wasn't the first guy finishing the drill. I wasn't the first guy finishing the sprints. I wasn't the first, you know, like all of these things I was used to doing wasn't happening. Well, you know, that's me being naive. I'm 18. Those are those are players that are 21, 22 men who had been working in a program, nutritionists, working out, you know, and I'm I'm a teenager and I'm not putting it in perspective. Why? Because I didn't know. Or now that I look back, I chose not to listen to others that were telling me and trying to give me advice. And that's right. So that that's the other piece I would say is that, you know, I didn't listen to my head coach. Um, my head coach was a former Division One football player who had played in, in, in the conference that, that I that I ended up being in. So he knew. He knew exactly what to expect. And he was similar to me. He wasn't the best athlete, but he was he was he was very aggressive. He was strong. He was a smart, a smart football player. Um, and he worked hard. And he was telling me things, but I didn't listen. And so, so, you know, for me, I kind of I kind of had set myself up, you know, um, because I didn't follow through the the the, the programmatic things that I had done that I did before to be successful. And I didn't really understand growth mindset, right? I didn't understand that. Things don't happen overnight at the at the next level, right? But because I, I didn't understand that, it wore me. And I can tell you, I got sad. And I would say probably that was the first time that I started to experience a little bit of of, of a depressive state. You know, um, I was not diagnosed with depression, but I would probably say, looking back now, it probably was. Um, things weren't the same for me. And then I started getting homesick, right? Which is which what happens to a lot of freshmen, but I'm getting homesick and I'm thousands of miles away. So I just can't, you know, drive in my car and be home five hours. You know, I maybe like a three hour plane ride, but I'm, but I'm not driving home. So I'm 18, you know, first time away from home, living on my own. Um, you know, my parents didn't have the resources that a lot of other, you know, uh, families did when, you know, they're like going off to college and, and, and student athletes. So it wasn't like they could, they could, you know, send me an airplane ticket to come home every month or, or just send me resources to hang out and kind of socialize like, like I wanted to. So it was tough. Um, It was really tough. It was, it was also the first time I realized that, you know, you know what, I got to kind of go out, go at this at my own. And because of that, I, I, I probably started finding ways I could um, ease some of that. Right. So I started, I started self-medicating. You know, and that's, you know, coming from the alcohol, um, you know, and some substances that I that made me feel better, but it was temporary. Right. Um, And I would tell you that this is this is how this is how much, you know, the the psyche and and the the mental aspect plays into, um, you know, life and and sports. 
So even though, right, I was not doing athletically what I thought I was doing or, or my potential, um, I didn't realize that I was still in a program, so I was still getting better, right? So I was still getting better. I just wasn't at the level of a junior or a senior, but I was still getting better. So I was getting stronger. I was lifting weights. I was working out. I was getting faster. On top of some of the negative things that I was still doing, I was still maintaining. And it was and so it was kind of like playing tricks on me a little bit like, oh, it's no big deal. You know, I can still do this. But what but but what was happening was I was starting to create bad habits and form bad habits, which eventually that's not sustainable. So when you're 18 or 19, you know, for some of your listeners out there, you think you're invincible. Right. And you think that. You know, some of the things that you do, whether they're positive or negative, may may be may not harm you. But what happens is you are you are creating muscle memory, physical memory. And also, you know, your brain is remembering things and it's not always the positive things that it's remembering. So now these habits starting to seek in. And then as you as you begin to age and as you begin to um, do other things in life, those bad habits are formed and it's, and it's harder for you to bounce back. So for me, you know, I, I, even though, you know, athletically things were going the best, but socially I thought I was the life of the party. So now that's replacing some of those feelings I had before of not feeling as good, not feeling as worthy. Some of the depressive state that was going on. I felt good during that time when I was partying, when I was hanging out, it's great, right? Football, the football, I, you know, I hadn't lived up to what I thought my potential was, right? I didn't, I wasn't starting. I ended up getting redshirted, right? So I'm, I'm dressing for some games, but I'm not getting on the field, you know? Um, but I also am still being treated like I was when I was being recruited because what, what people don't always understand that, that you can attest to is that, you know, when you're, when you're a college athlete, you're still treated with a lot of privilege, right? And and people treat you differently just for the just for whatever you can do on the court or on the field. And that's and, and that's just the reality. And it and it creates a false sense of reality for you because people are nice to you for the wrong reasons. Right. And it and and you know it's hard to 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 start to figure out who generally has has your best interests at heart because a lot of people um, are nice to you for the wrong reasons for what you can do, not really for who you are, but what you can do. And um, for me, I was still getting the royal treatment, so to speak, right? Even though I wasn't playing, didn't matter, right? You know, um, people knew I was on the football team. I, I was hanging out with some older players. So, so therefore they were playing, right? And I was always with them. So that was something that people just associated, you know, that, um, me with them. And, um, you know, I was kind of living, living, a you know, okay, like social life. And I would say, you know, the biggest highlight of the time that was there was with, and I realized how big college sports was, was that we ended up winning our conference and um, we ended up going to a bowl game. Now, back during that time, there weren't as many bowl games as there are now. So basically either you win your conference or you have an at-large bid because you you basically, you know, only lose a couple games. You have a really tight schedule. So going to a bowl game was 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 a big deal. And I did not realize how much revenue was generated by student athletes, right? And um, 
I had a kind of conversation with one of my best friends to this day. Um, he He's a two-time All-American, still holds several NCAA Division I records for receiving, um, was a second-round pick. I think he was overall, I want to say, 24th pick in the NFL draft, um, Ryan Yarbrough. And he's, he, he's a, he's a, he was a mentor to me and a really good friend to me this day. And, and he sat me down one day after a game, and um, you know I was at his apartment, and I was expecting like something extravagant. Right. I was expecting, man, because he was up for the Heisman Trophy. Right. He was up for top player of the, um, you know, in the country. And he's all over TV and his, and his jerseys being sold and and all these things. And he was, you know, an All-American. He was going to go see, you know, um, being all these TV TV shows and, and, and commercials. He's playing the, in the in the bowl game for seniors. And um, and and he told me, he said, you know. Don't believe everything that you see. You know, he said, he said, every time my jersey sold, I don't get a dime for any of that. I don't get any proceeds. He said, you see all these posters and all these billboards around the state. You see these commercials. He said, I don't get anything. So so it was very humbling, Adam, because I'm thinking, wow, you know, I'm a freshman. He's a senior. I'm thinking, wow, you know, I'm hearing about him. I'm seeing him, you know, and and I know he's going to the NFL. I'm thinking, wow, this is, and he's like, no, he's like, he's like, this is the reality is that we're athletes. They pay us to play our sport. In turn, we generate money for the university, but we don't see any of the money that we're, that, 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 that is generated. We don't see any of it. Mm -hmm. So he said, that's a lesson just to know that this is a business. And to me, that was a, that was an awakening that I did not realize that college athletics um, is a business, especially at the division one level where, where you are a product. So for, for all the, so for everyone out there that, that has aspirations of playing division one, want to be division one, I would say, go for it. Always shoot for the stars. But also understand what you're getting yourself into, and and hopefully your parents will educate them educate themselves as well to to be able to support you. Because at the end of the day, right, you want you want a college education, right? Because after your playing days are over, um, you know what are you going to do next, right? Because after you're done playing, right, you you are an average you're an average person, meaning you're the typical person that needs to sustain themselves or their family. The, the bright lights are, are done. You're done playing. People aren't cheering for you. What are you going to do next? And and I think for me, it was it was humbling and it kind of let me down as well. And it kind of played into, wow, it was very disappointing to the reality of what it was for me. And that, you know, so um, so, you know, that was it was it was tough. It was very tough. Um, and, you know, I made a decision. I made a decision to come to come back home after my freshman year. Um, because, you know, I, I, some of the homesickness and I, it just wasn't a good fit for me, but I will tell you this, Adam, I would never, ever, ever change it for anything because, um, had I not had that experience to this day, I could never say that I, I, I had a chance to see what it was like to play at the highest level at my sport that I loved to be able to meet, to be able to meet friends who, who eventually went on to play in the NFL to you know, to to meet friends that played in the NBA, 
that that I'm still friends with with today. To meet other athletes who ends up becoming college coaches at the Division One level that that have great experiences who I'm friends with today, and the fact uh-huh. that you know what, if I didn't come home, I would have never I would have never met my wife. And I, and I would have never had the family that I have today. So I never regret it. I would never take anything back um, from that. So as I came back, you know, I, I ended up playing at, at, at um, junior college. And, um, you know, it was a different experience. Once again, not what I thought it would be. Um, I had friends that were there and it was kind of laid back. And it was easier than Division One, which was not good for me because I, I, I was a type of athlete in person that needed structure. And it was and it was too it was too loose for me, um, you know, just as just as when I was out um, away from school and I didn't have structure for the first time. And I had all this freedom because um, I didn't have the freedom when I was younger because my parents were very strict. My coach was my high school football coach was strict. My parents were strict because um, of their personal experiences in terms of what, you know, um, life can have for you if you make the wrong decisions. And that's through family, friends, even personal experiences with my dad. You know, I wasn't a kid that went out to parties, you know, in high school. I didn't hang out. You know, I didn't do those type of things that were kind of the typical high school kid. You know, um, I didn't have that freedom. Um, so so what happened when I had it, I, it was an excess. And so now I come back home after being away to school for a year. Now it's excess, right? Now I have my own apartment. Now, now really, I'm, you know, I'm not living at home. No one's paying for anything for me. You know, my parents were like, you know what? You had a full scholarship. We're not paying for anything for you anymore. You're on your own. So at 19, I was literally on my own and trying to play football. I will tell you, you know, I had two years of playing junior college. And during that time, I ended up winning conference again. Um, I was a captain and we won a bowl game. So I ended up in my college career i've won two bowls two bowl i've went to two bowl games um and won two conference championships and i ended up being an all-region um national junior college um athletic association player as well my last year so i i did achieve some 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 college football accolades but you know what um adam i what i realized was that i got to a point where i realized there was more than life than athletics and i i had had an identity of athletics for so long and I was wearing this mask that it wasn't me. Right. And I wasn't comfortable in my own skin. And, and, you know, the last time that I ever played football, I never looked back and I didn't want to because I wanted to really see what life would be like, right. Without having the label of Evan, the athlete, Evan, the football player. I really wanted to know what it would be like for people to know me for me and for me to find my own self and my own identity. And um, it took some time, Adam. I'll be honest with you. It took some time. You know, when you when you play sports for almost your entire life. Right. When you don't do that anymore, it's how do you how do you reinvent yourself? How do you change your narrative? And I, and I went through a lot with that, Adam. I went, you know, I was still, you know, now. I'm no longer playing sports, but I still had some anger issues, right? I still had some times of sadness of, you know, dealing with some things I hadn't dealt with professionally. Um, I didn't, you know, hadn't, hadn't processed a lot of things that had happened to me when I was younger. So now I'm that athlete who no longer has their sport 
And now what do I do with all this energy? What do I do with this anger? Some of the sadness, some of this angst that I have at times didn't know how to explain it. Right. It's tough. So, um, you know, I went through a, I went through a time of a lot of soul searching and trying to figure out who Evan is, um, you know, without sports attached to it. And, and I would say it was, it was tough for everyone. I mean, it was, a, it was a, it was like a reinvention for me as a person, but even for my family, my, my immediate family, you know, my, my parents had always been sports parents. They had always done that. And, and, you know, they had supported me a lot to get to where I needed to be. But after that, I would say it was even challenging for them to figure out who I was without sports. And I would even say to this day, you know, my dad and I have a, have somewhat of a strained relationship a little bit. It's gotten better, but um, you know, we really didn't know how to communicate if it wasn't about athletics. Right. And that's, and that's, and, and that's something I, you know, I just say that for a lot of your listeners is that, you know, you need to have an identity aside from what you do. Right. Because you, you still want to have, something else once you're no longer able to do that. And and what happens is when when athletics engulfs you so much, you forget about who you are as a person and what and what happens afterward. And so, you know, for me, it's I, I knew it, you know, it was critical for find myself, but also find ways and I could begin to um, rebuild, repair, or even build relationships as Evan, the person who's not an athlete anymore. And I would tell you that that's kind of where it started back and it kind of come to full circle where I said, where I got back into education. And that was something for me as I was able to reinvent myself as Evan, the educator um, with life skills from from being an athlete in terms of hard work, dedication, um, you know, commitment, um, growth mindset, um, you know, but I would say it was a long road. You know, Adam, really? it was. It was 10 years from the time I graduated high school to the time I finished my bachelor's degree. And, and yes, so I, and, and I, and I, you know, and that's, and that's, you know, and that's honest because, you know, my journey and my path to where I am now was not linear, was not A to Z, you know, and, and, and I, and I want people to know that it doesn't have to be, you know, so when you have some setbacks, you know, it, that it don't like, it's not over. Right. It just means that your path is written differently. And, um, you know, when I when and I say that because, you know, I would have never thought when I graduated high school, what my aspirations and dreams were. Well, that's actually a perfect segue with everything you've experienced. And we've started from recording the beginning of this podcast to now. Let's segue into, you know, how you used being an athlete, everything you overcame, the challenges you have to what your work is today in education. That man, you know, it's, it's those skill sets, right. That, that, that I learned from all of my coaches that I learned from my dad when he was my coach, you know, I've been able to implement those as um, a coach, you know, um, working with young people um, as a, as a mentor at, at different times with young people um, because I've been able to parlay those experiences you know, and even with my own children. So I, you know, I have, I have two children, a son and a daughter. My, um, and, you know, I'm so grateful, Adam, that, that things didn't work out how Isn't I planned great in lesson? terms of athletics, because now, I, now I know what not to do to help my children. Right. It, it, it's, it's so powerful. And, and the other thing is 
I, I am all the time. You know, with my, kids. my children are 20 times the athlete I ever was ever. Now, <laughs> isn't that like, I mean, the things that, that, that my children have been able to do from a young age, you know, that, that I was never able to do. Like, I mean, I'm just, I'm just blessed to be able to watch them because they make, they make things look easy that I would have had to work for. I mean, you know, and, and, and they do it and, and it's, and it's, and it's seamless for them, but I'm just happy though today that now if they're ever in a position to play college athletics, so they both have aspirations to do so um, that I have the experience to help them navigate that from the recruiting process to what they need to understand with high school, making the right decisions, um, you know, understanding the big picture and also the interconnectivity of everything, athletics, um, academics, um, social, emotional well-being. You know, I'm able to help them with that because I made the mistakes that hopefully they don't have to. And I can be honest and I can be open um, to them and I can be vulnerable to share that with them. Um, because I think it's critical because, as I said, I didn't have anyone that could tell me about the pitfalls. I didn't have anyone that could navigate that for me. So I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm grateful to be able to do that with my children and also for um, for other athletes, student athletes that, I, that I've come in contact with as well. You know, I have I have, um, you know, one one young man who who was my neighbor that that that, that I did some mentoring with when he was in high school. Um, and now he's. He's doing very well. I'm so proud of him. Um, he he ended up being a, a two-time All-American in junior college. He made the dean's list every single semester. He is doing well. I'm so proud of him. But, but and, and he and I used to have conversations. You know, I'd be out in front of my in front of my house and dribbling basketball with my son. He'd walk by. He'd speak polite. Never knew Adam. I never knew he played basketball until I saw something on the internet. And I saw his picture. I'm like, that's the kid that walks by my house every day. He never even says he plays basketball. Found out he was a phenomenal basketball player, but we would just talk about life. He'd ask me questions. I, I, the conversations we were having now, I, I had with him, you know, and just to tell him, hey, you know what? You have a great opportunity. You have a gift. And, and isn't it important, Evan, you know, to be able to have somebody that can just talk life with not sports, but just life. Yes. It, it, it's important because that's what it is. You know, um, the whole point of athletics is, is to prepare you for life. It's supposed to be a simulation of life, right? You, you, you learn growth mindset. You learn what it means to push through. You learn what it means to have resiliency, right? You learn what it means to compete um, so that you can transfer those skills. And just talking about life in general, more so than what you are doing, your athletic accomplishments are critical, because you know what? At the end of the day, right? It doesn't matter um, because it doesn't matter if you play um, in the NFL, NBA, Major League Baseball. If you're playing National Pro Fast Pitch, if you if you're an Olympic athlete, at the end of the day, you know what? It's all about life, and everybody's on the same playing field, and they all have, we all have to na- navigate life every single day. And it doesn't matter whether you have challenges in your life or in your family in terms of mental illness, in terms of physical ailments, in terms of um, health issues. Those things do not discriminate. It doesn't matter what your race is, what your ethnicity, what language you speak, how much money you make, how successful you are. You can your your life 
can can be changed due to a debilitating illness, an injury, um, health concern, mental illness, if you know substance abuse, alcoholism. It does not discriminate. So being able to talk to someone about life or having someone you can reach out to or being able to pass lessons on are so powerful because everyone needs that at some point in time. Right. Because it doesn't matter our achievement. It's about, you know, what we're going through and how we can become better. And I, I'm just blessed to be able to do that. And now in my in my professional you know, life right now, I think that, you know, my experience in sports has helped me because it allows me to understand how to work at the game of life, how to be successful, how to make connections, how to work with people that you may typically think you would have nothing in common with, but you're able to find a common thread so you can be successful in whatever it is you're doing, whether it's work, whether it's your personal life, being able to do that and reach out, um, you know, being able to connect with people people that you don't know that you've never met, but when you have a common goal and common purpose, you know, to achieve something, you can do that. And athletics taught me that. And it's helped me to, to be, um, you know, in terms of me as a, as an educator, as a teacher, um, you know, as a role as a building administrator. Um, and then, you know, over the last decade or so as a, as a central office district administrator, as a, you know, being, you know, at that level where I'm leading and serving people because it's just like a team. You know, we all have different roles. We have different responsibilities. We all have our our unique skill set. But, you know, now in in a leadership position, I see my role as being able to um, make the connection and connect people so that we can achieve a goal. Just like a team. Right. You know, you know what position people play, what their skill set is, and then you put them in a position to be successful. And that's really how athletics has helped me help shape me. And, you know, you know, I didn't I didn't end up making it to the NFL. Right. That was that was my dream I had. But you know what? I am happy with what I'm doing with it, what I am in life right now, what I'm doing, what I what I succeeded. I'm happy to to be in education because I get those opportunities to make connections with young people, to talk to parents, to um, to help other parents to experience, to understand the experiences. And I and I, you know, and. I would also say casually, I've had conversations with with parents um, that have you know children on my you know on the at, on the teams that my that my children have played in, and and sometimes I just have some candid conversations with them to help them understand, like you know you know at this point in time, you know no one's getting paid yet, no one's receiving a scholarship, you know, and even if they do, right, what does that truly mean? And sometimes I would, you know, just my my observation from what I've seen from afar in some conversations is that um, we live in an age now where there's such an influence and there's such a there's such a there's so much put onto youth athletics. It's not it's not the what how it was when I was younger. It is so much emphasis on on this on the student athlete achieving at an early age. Right. And trying to fast track. And trying to put more in to try to um, mature quicker, fa- to be faster, stronger, to do better. But we have to remember we still want children to be children, right? And part of that is having a balance, right? And 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 a balance with that means that it's okay if you don't train every single day, 
if you don't go to some type of training, if you're not if you're not working out every day, if you're not doing speed and agility, if you're not doing conditioning, if you're not if you're not working on your individual craft, it's okay. You're a child, right? You know, there's a time to have a full time job, and 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 when you're an adolescent and you're and and you're still growing and you're maturing and you're and you're um, and psychologically you're developing. You know, you need to still be a child. You don't want to have adult responsibilities too soon. And I think that is the one, you know, general observation I I see more so than than in previous generations is that the emphasis on young people to be adults and, and, and have adult behaviors a lot quicker than it once was. And, you know, you, it's it's almost it's it's almost hard. You almost have to force student athletes to have fun. Right. Um, and, and, and I understand it's competitive in nature. I get, I get all that. I truly do. But, but I'm also a firm believer that if it's meant to be, it's meant to be right. If you, if, if, if it's, you know, athletics, competitive athletics is my per my personal opinion is about 75% genetic. Right. So, if either either you have the physical ability to play that particular sport at a certain level or you don't, because eventually your skill set and your athleticism is going to plateau. So 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 either you have that and it's genetic and you and you have the ability to go to the next level based on your potential or you don't. Right. The other part of it is hard work. It's dedication and commitment, but not as much as what what you already have genetically. So um, I say that because, you know, sometimes the push to try to be a Division One athlete to get the scholarship is not that important, you know, because at the end of the day, you want to the, the goal is to get a, get, get a college education and to get as much of your college education paid for. So for me, in the way I look at sports and athletics for my own children now is this. I don't care what level you play at. You, if, if you're blessed enough to play Division One, you want to play Division One. Great. I have the ability to support you. I have resources. I have I have a network of people that can help with that. Great. If you don't, if you want a balance in life and you want to play Division Two, you want to play NAIA, you want to go Division Three. Whatever you want to do, I'm supportive because if you still love your sport and you want to play, but you still want to have fun and be an be, and be a student and experience student life, that's what it's about. Because because you want to have a balance in life, and and for me, you know that that's critical. And and you know what I had to realize, you know, as an adult later in life, is that I, I for for me. You know, the one the one kind of downside of being the type of athlete that I was, I never had a chance to have balance. I was always chasing the next thing. I was pushing a little bit. I was always I never found any middle ground. So, um, Adam, what I what I kind of talk about now, you know, a lot are, are my three B's. Um, and, I, and I talk about that, you know, for for educators, for adults, for student athletes, um, you know, for anyone is that in my three B's is balance, boundaries and breaks. OK, so it's it's balance, the balance of your balance of your energy, balance of your time, your commitment, you know, balancing, you know, um, your friendships, balancing, you know, if you if you have a significant other, um, if you have a boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever it is, balancing all that, um, you know, takes time, takes commitment, but it's necessary. And also balancing your time and efforts into people. 
into projects that are that are going to be able to reciprocate that back to you. Right. So if you're putting all this time and energy to your sport, but you're not getting that back. Right. That's a time to reflect and determine, is it worth me putting this time and effort and energy into it? Right. Right. If, If it's a relationship. And it's not reciprocal. It's not worth it. So you have to balance that. As adults, we have to balance. We have to balance our work and our family life. We have to balance the time between our spouse and our kids. It's all part of it. Um, you know, the, ne- the, the next part is boundaries. And it's not so much about other people's boundaries, which we which people often talk about. It's it's also about your own personal boundaries, right? Making sure you adhere to those. That means, right, it's okay to say no sometimes. It's okay to say, you know what, I know that it's not going to be beneficial for me to have to work out seven days a week, right? I can say no. I need time to build in time where I'm not doing that. You know, it's okay for me to to understand my personal boundaries in terms of, wow, you know, if I need to put like, is it necessary for me to put all these reps in today? If I'm if I'm feeling tired, if, if, if my knees are sore, do I need to keep pushing through? Or do I need to tell my trainer, my coach, my my parent, uh, you know what? I'm not feeling the best right now, right? If I'm sick, do I need to push through to keep to keep working out when I'm not giving my chance, uh, my, my my body a chance to rest? You know, that's that's what it's about. And as adults, you know, our own boundaries in terms of work, you know, um, you know, finding out what do we need to do. You know, sometimes we don't want to. Um, we're afraid to take the time off for work or to say, no, we want to take on the next responsibility, the next responsibility, because we feel as though if we say, no, we're not being a, a good employee, right? Or we're not doing that. But there's, but, but that's okay to say no, because here's the thing. If we don't adhere to our own boundaries, whether that has to do with being a student athlete, whether that means being a parent, whether that's being a, being a leader, whether it's being the best employee, if we don't adhere to those boundaries, Okay, and we don't protect ourselves. No one else is. It's the it's just it's just the blunt reality for 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 everyone to understand that, you know, is that if you don't take care of yourself, no one else is going to do it for you. So you have to learn to be an advocate for yourself so that you can get what you need and be able to protect yourself so you can be successful. And the last one is breaks, you know, and personally, you know, this for me is that. I realized that I was always trying to catch up. You know, I spoke earlier about how it took some time for me to finish um, my undergrad degree from the time that I graduated high school. And that's what I truly mean. For me, it was a time of how do I do this? I needed to fast track everything. And because I fast tracked everything, I never took a chance. I never took time to take a break, to smell the roses, to be able to enjoy life as it is. I was always trying to catch up. And, and, and what happens is, you know, your your brain and your physically and your physical body needs time to recuperate. You need to rest. So, you know, I say so. That, so in breaks, take time to rest. Let your body rest as a student athlete. That means, you know what? If you need to get rest, proper rest at night, do that. Don't stay up all night doing your homework after you came back from practice and then you got other stuff because you you put you prolonged doing your homework. Now you're up till 12 o'clock um, in, the, in the morning and midnight trying to do your work. Think about ways that you have to build in breaks for yourself throughout the day. Get your rest, eat properly, 
you know, all those things that, that you need to do. Also, you know, just making sure that you take time out for yourself. And that's what I was talking about earlier. Sometimes it's okay as a young student athlete to not play your sport, right? Take a break off. Um, I think Adam, I told you, you know, um, offline um, before about my own daughter, how this year um, she's a softball player and we decided not to play fall ball, you know, just give her time, a chance to take a break, you know, put the glove down, put the bat down, let her body rest and, and really take a, take just time to recuperate, you know, um, high school starting for her. So, you know, getting that chance to just relax and take, and take softball as she wants to and at her leisure in the fall has been phenomenal for her. You know, um, and I and I and I think it's it's good to do that. So we all need to do that. You know, think about my my three B strategies: balance, boundaries, and breaks. It has been it has been phenomenal for me to implement those. Um, it's been literally a lifesaver um, because it you know there was a there was a time in my professional career that you know I still had not you know handled some of the some of the demons and some of the trauma that I had um before and I was still on the path of some self medicating um but you know through you know me being you know open to change and having a growth mindset being able to figure some things out you know I now um live a live a healthier lifestyle I implement my 3 Bs um you know I understand what I need to do to be successful and what and what makes me successful to be a better parent, a better friend, a better father, um, a better husband, and a better son. And 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 part of that is as being in a as as adult, as a better son is now, you know, rebuilding the relationship with my own parents now that they're grandparents, in terms of me as Evan you know, the educator who has a passion of of education, the same pa- way I had passion about athletics. And having those conversations and then being able to model that because someday my children are going to have children. I'm going to be a grandparent and I want to make sure that the relationship that I have with my children goes beyond athletics, goes beyond me being the dad who can come watch the sporting events, taking them to their events. I love doing it and I support them 100 percent. I'll do whatever they need to be successful. However, I now know that there is more than that. Well, I've. I mean, wow, absolutely incredible, inspiring, extraordinary. Um, You gave us perspectives from being a a youth to being a teenage competitive high school college student athlete and and a perspective from a parent and now an educator. Um, I'm going to obviously have all of your information uh, attached to the blog that I put this on. Um, would you like to just give a few seconds as to how people contact you and what you speaking engagements, things of that nature that you do? Sure, for sure. So um, feel free to contact me. I am on Twitter. Um, you can reach me on Twitter at Evan Whitehead, all together, E-V-A-N-W-H-I-T-E-H-E-A-D, zero, zero, Evan Whitehead, zero, zero, at Evan Whitehead, zero, zero. And you can reach me via email at Evan Whitehead, one one at gmail.com evan whitehead one one at gmail.com and you can reach me um when you when you reach out to me on on twitter you can you know send me a, a direct message i'll reply um you can contact me via an email for whatever you may need speaking engagements etc um i do i i do um some consulting work 
um, in terms of um, national consulting in the area of social emotional learning. Um, I work with uh, Dr. Ruby Payne's company, The AHA Process, and you can find me on um, The AHA Process, A-H-A Process, P-R-O-C-E-S-S dot com. And if you look under consultants, I'm on there. Um, my bio's on there, a, a little bit about what I do and some of the trainings I offer. Um, and the training that I'm currently doing is, is called Emotional Poverty in All Demographics, How to Reduce um, Anger, Anxiety, and Violence in the Classroom. And it's been, it's a, it's a really great training because it looks at some of the things that are going on in the classroom and how we can examine them as educators and adults to figure out why students and children are doing what they're doing and, and, and some of the why behind it versus just thinking that a student is misbehaving. But the, but the training is also great because it also looks into adults, right? So we always talk about the invisible backpack often of students, but you know also um, the training does a deep dive into adults and if and talks about some of the things that I was saying today is that if you're an adult and, and you have had experiences, whether they're trauma, whether they're challenges in your life and you don't deal with them, you still carry that with you throughout your adult life. And what happens is, you know, your 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 emotional development is stunted at wherever that point is where that event happened often. So what happens is in crisis situations, you resort to responding as if you're that age. So oftentimes when it's, when you see this in um, athletics between coaches or trainers and, and their athletes, you'll see this dance that goes on between the, the unregulated, right? Teenage or youth brain, which you expect to be unregulated. But then you see the adult in a crisis where you see the reaction, where, they're, where they may be yelling, they may be screaming, they're seem out of control. Well, that's the emotional dance going back and forth. You know, and it happens in the classrooms as well between teachers and students. So that that's one thing I'm doing. Also, um, you know, you know, I, I do do a lot of other um, consulting and working with um, with school districts as well um, in the area of diversity, cultural competency and um, working on family community engagements. Evan, it's inspiring to know that you and I are the same age and grew up during a similar era. It's also inspiring to know how much we have in common. We both chose Division I programs and had to adjust our perceptions after to find ourselves. We realized what it took to go from a great high school player to working towards being a good, great college player. While the path was very challenging and we often questioned why we even attempted it, we proved it was worth it. Your story is no accident. Sadly, you are one of many people who experience bitterness, seclusion, and labeling through what we define as racism. The time you and I grew up in was improving but we still had many miles to go. You learned at a very young age that regardless of what anyone says or does to you, you still have one freedom that no one can take away. And that is the freedom to choose your attitude and response. And you, my friend, have mastered this. You have chosen the path of working with student athletes of all genders, race, ethnic backgrounds, and upbringings to guide them on what they are capable of instead of what they lack. You, looking back, should not question why you went through what you did, rather know it was for a purpose. A major part of that purpose is lifting those whose society knocks down through their own ignorance. You have proven that anyone can take their life experiences, use them as a mental immunity, and build an emotional resistance to this and more in the future. You have also proven when we see a person as extraordinary, we promote them to who they can be. This is direly needed in the educational systems today, 
particularly any institution that works with special needs, which you do. Your message, your character, your value is what is the difference that makes a difference, Evan. I am honored to call you friend, and I know you will continue to impact more people than you know. Evan, you are extraordinary. Stay the course. Stay extraordinary. We need you to. Coach Adam. Welcome to the Extraordinary Me podcast, where ordinary people choose the extraordinary. Hosted by Coach Adam.